On Saturday, more than one million people gathered in Atatürk Airport in Istanbul in support of Palestinians in the besieged Gaza. The rally was attended by Turkish president as well as a number of ministers and parliament members. Erdogan said the Western countries that shed crocodile tears over the death of civilians in Ukraine are not only turning a blind eye to the death of Palestinian civilians in Gaza, but also supporting it. He added that Turkey is against this double standard and hypocritical behavior. Turkish president also went on to say that the West has mobilized its politicians and media to legitimize the massacre of the innocent people of Gaza. The main culprit behind the massacre unfolding in Gaza is the West. The massacre in Gaza is entirely the work of the West. Israel will not last even three days without the support of Western countries. They fully support the child killers in Gaza. Israel is now behaving like a war criminal. Erdogan also warned that his country is preparing to reveal to the world that Israel is a war criminal. We came here with... The war drums grow louder every single day, folks. Welcome to more World Mondays here on the Rob Manus Show live at the Red Voice Media Network. And we are still unique yet with our X Spaces simulcast. Welcome to the live audience over in Spaces and our co-hosts, Kat and uh, Shell. We appreciate you guys. Well, the Israeli war, man. The Israeli war against Hamas appears to have moved into the ground phase in spite of attempts by the U.S. and U.N. to have a truce to allow for more so-called humanitarian aid, which in my opinion is really just resupply of Hamas. That's the government and terrorists who control Gaza and committed the October 7th atrocities. Verified reports that they even put a baby into an oven in front of its mother while they raped and murdered her. This is tough stuff, folks, and it gets worse as rallies in support of the Hamas atrocities and calling for extermination of the Jews are happening all over the world. It's important to note that the Jewish people are being attacked at these rallies, uh, giving them a dramatically familiar feel of the German Nazi pogroms that resulted in events like Kristallnacht. The calls for an American-led World War III are now in the open among American propaganda press outlets with very few national security experts appealing for a diplomatic approach to most of what is happening. Even the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, appears to be on board with a lot of the neocon effort to get us into World War III. As you can see by the Turkish president's speech that we just saw, a geopolitical shift in allegiances are happening very swiftly, presenting very high risk to alliances such as NATO. My guest today is retired Air Force Colonel and bomber pilot Tracy Sharp, who joins us to discuss the global situation today. Colonel Sharp, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, sir. Hey, Rob, it's good to see you again. Can you hear me okay? I've got you loud and clear, and uh, let's do a mic check with our live audience. Uh, Kat, uh, Shell, you got us loud and clear? Yes, get one, two. Outstanding. Super. Super. Well, hey, it's good to see you again, buddy. It is great to see you, my friend. Uh, how's the weather in Montana? You got 10 feet of snow yet? It, it's getting cool. And of course, you like that if you're in Montana because we need all that snow in the mountains for the water. So uh, you don't live up here if you don't like winter. And of course, it's not a North Dakota winter. You and I know what that's like. 
This is a Montana winter, so so it's much better. And if you like snow and skiing, this is a place to be. So, well, I do and hunting. Like and I like to visit snow and then come back down to the beach here on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi and, <laughs> and enjoy the 75 degree uh, uh, weather that we're having, sunshine that I'm having today. Well, I appreciate you coming yeah. on. You know, the President Erdogan there from Turkey in that first clip. Uh, well, let's just start there. I told you I wanted to go kind of around the world and, and look at yeah. the geopolitical uh, uh, board and, and, and just talk about the impacts of what is happening. And I see Turkey. We're starting with Turkey, and we're going to end the show with Turkey in the last segment with a, a piece from Doug McGregor. But uh, yep. I see Turkey, Tracy, as a potentially the greatest threat to this war between Israel and Hamas spilling over into even something greater than just a regional conflict. Well, I'm glad you called me on for this. Uh, I have first firsthand experience. Uh, I worked for Colonel McGregor when I was at NATO. So I know him, and uh, he's a good guy, a highly intelligent guy. He wrote uh, Breaking Phalanx and, and uh, is out there doing a lot of commenting. Now I don't always agree with him, but, but he's, a, he's an honorable person. And when I was at NATO, I worked for a Turkish colonel because at that time you really had, uh, you really had the old Turkey, the Ataturk Turkey. And the thing that scares me is to see how far Turkey has fallen because uh, the gentlemen that I worked with there, they really wanted to become significant players in NATO. They wanted to work hard. They didn't want to just roam the halls smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee at Moans. They wanted to actually do things. Uh, and they very much took their role as keeping Turkey secular as an oath that they needed to uphold. Well, from that time to now, we've seen what's happened. Turkey has uh, collapsed into the same sort of Islamo-supremacist fascism that we see across all of the Middle East. And, and, we've, and that's a sad story because Turkey has so much potential, so many good young people, so many great ideas, so, so willing under the Ataturk regime to uh, be a secular society that was, you know, we retain our Islamic religion, but we also understand uh, what the other societies are like. Well, that, that's gone. I think you can see quite clearly that that is gone. And that's why much of the EU now is starting to turn her back, because the EU, uh, they weren't keen on allowing Turkey in, in because of the Schengen Accords. They were very concerned that it was just going to become a pathway for them to be overrun by the type of immigration that we've actually seen take place. But they thought if you opened up Turkey, it would get you know, that much worse. Uh, there wouldn't be boats coming across. So uh, now I see Turkey kind of moving away from the West. They're kind of moving away from the, from, and they're embracing Erdogan and his, you know, they tried to have a coup there. The military tried to reverse this. They were unsuccessful. Well, what does that say? What does that say? It says that, yeah, we've got to now be concerned about what had been a great ally, ally before, Turkey. And I believe even some countries have talked about either not letting them, certainly not letting them in the EU, but maybe even getting rid of them as a NATO partner. Well, then being a NATO partner really, uh, you know, that, that and you're, that's, you're exactly right why I wanted to get you on here, because I knew you had this experience. And uh, as I had on the nuclear side uh, under the NATO uh, regimes, uh, but, uh, you know, then... Oop, I lost him. 
Testing one two. Can you hear me, Tracy? Yeah, yeah, I hear you now. Yeah, I just lost my uh, my sound for a second here. Uh, but uh, uh, but then being a member of NATO, how complex does that make the situation? Considering the current situation with with the Ford Battle Group, uh, the ARG, we now have a U.S. Marine ARG plus a, I think a French ARG component too out in the eastern Mediterranean, the Eisenhower's still moving toward that direction, although I think they've been retasked to go into the Persian Gulf. Uh, not sure about that, but but just across that that theater of operations in the Middle East uh, and near Southwest Asia and Persia, that makes the U.S. and NATO uh, calculus very complex. Yes, being and, a NATO member, and it's the largest armed force in that area, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And they're competent, and and they, uh, you can rest assured that in the halls in Brussels and Strasbourg, and in particular in the United States, both in the Pentagon, the State Department, there is a lot of scrambling right now going on to figure out how they're going to handle this. NATO, when I was there, was 16 countries. It's expanded up to 30, I believe, maybe 30 more. That makes the decision-making there paralytic. you know. And a lot of the reason, even with 16, that we're able to get anything done in NATO is because of the American push. The Americans say, look, you can't have genocide in Bosnia and just sit on your haunches and do nothing about it. Even though it's not a NATO country, you've got to do something to stop the genocide. And so they intervened, for better or worse, they did intervene there. and and. Now, with 30 countries, how do you get anybody to do anything? How do you get anybody to do anything when it's a consensus-driven organization? And without the Soviet Union, there's a lot of people that said, maybe we don't, we don't need a NATO. I mean, those are rich countries that are able to defend themselves quite well. Uh, uh, so why, if they decided to put their money into it, that is, uh, so why do we even really need a NATO? Is this, you know, there's been a lot of resentment towards the Americans. There's the Organization for Security and Cooperation uh, uh, in Europe, which is based in Vienna. I was attached to that also. Mm -hmm. And I can assure you, when I was there, NATO was a naughty word in, Vien in Vienna because that organization exists to minimize, help minimize American influence in Europe. And that's not necessarily uh, a bad thing given the collapse of the of the Soviet Union. But uh, the thing that is very concerning to all of us, and ought to be, is Western civilization has been grotesquely infiltrated by people that have no respect or concern or like for its culture whatsoever. And really what you're seeing down in, in Israel is a kill the Jew sentiment. I mean, they're not, they were given land, they were given Gaza, and what happened? Well, they rolled in with their Suburbans and their machine guns, and they made it a terrorist base for launching tenfold more attacks on Israel. So, you know, at some point, the Israelis are just saying, what, what do you want us to do? Our country is the size of a postage stamp on a football field. And people keep saying, if you give us just a little more piece of that postage stamp, there'll be peace. That's never happened. And I think what you're seeing right now is this, is this exact same game being played over. They're not about getting rid of Israel. They're about killing Jews wherever they're at, wherever they're at, including our country. And we're yeah, right there behind them. I think it's Christians uh, abundantly, and Jews. Clear, abundantly clear, uh, including right here in the United States. It's very clear. Well, let's go over to the and Spaces I, audience and see if we've got a question 
uh, from the live audience real quick. Cat, uh, Shell, you got any any questions? I know I had one earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What's his name? UFO. Did you want to ask that question again? Yeah, sure. Uh, I appreciate you bringing me back up. So I, I'll start by prefacing. I am Jewish American, okay. raised in the United States, but 100% Jewish by birth and raised uh, Jewish. So I, I tend to look at this slightly different. I don't think anybody quite understands what Israel, the, the underlying tone in Israel is never again. Mm. And that stems from the end of World War II. So my question is, you know, they they look like they're going in the ground force now, and they look like they're becoming more conventional, and this is going to be a long war, and yada, yada. Does this become inflamed? Does Turkey become a big player in this um, and allow Iran to push Hezbollah and Hamas and everything else and, and destabilize the region more? I mean, I know what Israel's ultimate reaction will be. Well, it, they'll push the button. I have no doubt that they will push the button when the time comes. So... You know, my question is, is there a way to bring this back down to earth at this point? Or is it just somebody's going to keep lighting matches around Israel until Israel says we're not going to burn? That's you're going to burn first. Great question, uh, UFO. Uh, Tracy, go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you and I, not youngsters anymore, mm -hmm. and we have watched this play out throughout our entire lives. Some sort of murderous atrocity is committed against Israel. I mean, they rarely attack their military. I mean, maybe in 72, but generally, they rarely attack their military. They kill the helpless and the innocent, just like they did here on 9-11. And then when Israel, that knows that it has to fight hard to sustain its survival and the never again idea, which, which is, a, you know, a sound one, responds, and then the entire Western world restrains Israel. Um, now, I've seen that so many times, I'm sick of looking at it. I'm wondering what'll happen this time. Maybe we just let Israel take care of business. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah, I, I spoke on uh, Fox Report with John Scott yesterday uh, about uh, the fact that they should, really should be demanding an unconditional surrender and not listening to anybody about these pauses, truces, because all that does is give give the Hamas Nazis the ability to put more booby traps in, to, to, uh, to make more threats, make more propaganda, uh, and it's just gonna cost more lives on both sides. Yeah, when's, when does it work? When does it ever work? I mean, we, yeah. uh, Arafat himself was evacuated from a, uh, by a U.S. ship mm -hmm. from there, and, and it was the same thing. The West, I don't think the West understands and they ought to because they had plenty of warning. If you go back to Huntington's 1970, 1997 book, Clash of Civilizations, you will see that the Islamic world has been killing its own people and killing people on the fringes of it for ages. For, you know, and at what point do you, do you stand up and realize what you're dealing with is an is a Islamo-supremacist cult death cult that yeah. wants all of us dead. And, and uh, you know, I wish it weren't true, but I think that 20 years ago after 9-11, we started out with a good idea of what was going on and then rapidly condemned all of our own people for daring to say what is true. Yeah, they exactly dared to say right. Islam was spread by the sword. 
It was spread by Huntington wrote about that well before uh, uh, you know, 9-11 and yeah. documented it around the world. And then you have them stating their own supremacist ideas themselves in the Cairo Declaration. Uh, and then, you know, they're still the largest voting bloc in the UN. So how can that be? Because the Cairo Declaration is 180 degrees out from the UN's international charter human, on human rights. It only recognizes one religion, and that's Islam. That's it. Yet they still are allowed to form a huge NN, United Nations uh, entity. You know, at some point, we got to wake up to the fact that that uh, this this is a real problem. And I'm afraid we've allowed ourselves to be so infiltrated. You know what you do, Rob, and I think you know this, is you send in your special operatives through our southern border, unarmed. And then you use diplomatic pouches to deliver them weaponry within the United States, special weapons or whatever you need. And now you've got cells, whether they be Chinese or or Iranian or whatever, Quds Force, which I, I, you know, one of my jobs when I was in Iraq was to work on the, on the group that was targeting Quds Force in Iraq. Because at the time when I was there, they were 100% responsible for all the explosive foreign penetrators. Not 98%, not 99, 100% of the EFPs that were killing Americans, killing multinational forces people, they came, we, we not only knew they came from Iran, we know what factories in Iran they came from. Oh yeah, and, we certainly do, man. Well, uh, let me let me go to a break here real quick, Tracy. When we come back, you're gonna see how far uh, and quickly this anti-Jewish uh, violence spreads very quickly. We'll be right back. The Rob Mana Show. We interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 833- 287-2465. Act swiftly. 
They've got a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from the failing dollar and volatile markets using gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465. Or you can visit the website at protectfrombiden.com. Well, welcome back to The Rob Maynard Show here on the Red Voice Media Network Live where we bring you the facts and the truth, whether we think you're going to like it or not. Uh, and this is the only place you're going to get this and the only show you're going to get on Red Voice Media with a live spaces audience. And my guest today is retired Air Force Colonel Tracy Sharp, an old friend of mine uh, from Montana, the great state of Montana there. And we are talking about the geopolitical uh, mess, really, that we're in here on this More War Monday, unfortunately, Tracy. Uh, I'm going to call for this clip here real quick. And this, this is an example of just how fast this virus of of wanting to exterminate Jewish people can spread. Go ahead with clip two, Disco. Well, there are more than 20 people reportedly injured by local authorities in the southern Russian city of Mahachkala. It's following unrest at the local airport, which was stormed by a crowd angered by the landing of a plane from Tel Aviv. It's a video circulating online and on social media showing protesters are throwing objects at police and security forces are shooting in the air. As angry supporters of Palestine broke into the airport and ran onto the landing strip, local authorities say the situation is now under control with all the intruders cleared out. Uh, 60 people reportedly arrested. The prosecutor's office said a criminal investigation has been launched with officials warning against provocations. Well, a quick recap of what happened. It was on a Sunday evening. Locals broke into the airport in the mostly Muslim city and got inside the terminal. Some were seen carrying Palestinian flags. Dozens managed to reach the airfield itself and even surround the airplane. Passengers were ordered to stay on board the jet for their own safety. And earlier, we heard from one eyewitness who described what they saw. A crowd has gathered outside Terminal B chanting. Some people are just standing there because... That was the airport in Dagestan, uh, southern Russia. It, 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 in fact, uh, the, now, folks, don't hold it against me. The clip was from Russia today, but that's not propaganda right there. It's news reporting. Uh, I check them out before I use them. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of the best news reports of all the crazy media we have in this country. That report is actually the best formal news outlet report that I could find on video through social media that was available. Uh, and it was very well done, but it just shows you, you know, they got rumored that an aircraft from Tel Aviv was landing, and these people actually came to the airport. It was a huge crowd, probably numbering more than 500 people. And they had to call in the Russian National Guard to put down the effort to keep them from breaking into the aircraft. And, and really, I think they wanted to kill these people. And you know who the people were? A lot of them were Muslim kids that had come back from Israel from getting life-saving cancer treatment. That's what they're reporting. Uh, was about that I saw. And it's really, really sad that things have come to this. But that's just an example of what we were talking about before the break, Tracy. Oh, yeah. The, I, you know, we've, we've downplayed this. We've soft-pedaled this despite the warnings that we've had now for over two decades that, you know, uh, there's a problem with Islam, whether you like to admit it or not. The Islamo-supremacists 
and they've stated right in their their uh, their uh, Cairo Declaration, they the OIC states of which are something like fifty seven now. Look, you, you're fine. You're you're okay to live as a person as long as you do it in accordance with Sharia. That's what the declaration says. None of these countries should be allowed in the UN because they go against the the UN uh, 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 charter. You know, they go against the uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But they are. And right now, what's exploding on the scene are all these military age young people, and they just want to kill Jews. And I thought we were past that. I thought we had all gotten past this and realized that there would be a time when we have to, you know, we've got to solve these questions. But if there's an ideology involved, and it's one as hateful as Islamic supremacism, then you got you got a real problem. You got a problem with trying to come to an accommodation with people that don't see you as a human. They don't yeah, see you as having. It is a bigger problem, I think, than uh, the Axis powers from World War II, uh, the Nazi Germans and Imperial Japan primarily uh, of that Axis. Uh, they didn't want to listen to anybody either. They were, you know, it's either our way or the highway. Uh, you know, they didn't even have a religious opportunity for uh, Jewish people to uh, be able to, you know, Flip to the other side because even the ones that did work for them ended up getting killed if they had the opportunity in the in the the uh, camps anyway, you know. But this yeah. is even worse because we have let it go on so long. I mean, you reminded me of of the 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 uh, kerfuffle over the name of Operation Enduring Freedom. You remember that? That's Enduring Freedom, folks. Is the is the defensive operation we launched into Afghanistan to get Al Qaeda and break the Taliban down and remove them from government because they had killed almost 3,000 people, well, 3,000 people in the United States, yeah. including attacking the Pentagon and trying to attack the capital of uh, the United yeah. States, uh, you know. So, uh, but originally it was Enduring Crusade, if I remember correctly, uh, <laughs> and the, uh, the leftists in this country inside the government forced the Bush administration to change that name very rapidly. And that was the beginning of, of, to my memory, of this acquiescence to this rabid, violent ideology. I don't care if you call it Islamic supremacism, uh, Islamo-Nazis like Mark Levin does, or whatever. Uh, it, it, and we've played along with it ever since. And now that the state of Israel is in a existential fight for survival, and they really should have a goal of unconditional surrender in Gaza of the Hamas government, period. Unconditional I don't surrender. See, the last time I don't we see. had governments do this was Germany and Japan in World War II, and that's what we demanded. And neither one of us, Tracy, I, I just want to caveat this for the audience. We don't want war. We don't no. want it. We don't want America to get into another war. We're absolutely opposed to it. At least I am. I know I can't speak yeah. for you, but I think you're— we're of the like minds like that, uh, yeah. and, but Israel needs to do what it needs to do for its survival, and it's just wrong for our government, led by Joe Biden, to try to slow it down or stop it because you just give the Nazis more time to build more booby traps, to build more, do more propaganda yeah. videos with hostages. They put one out this morning with three women. Uh, you know, yeah. all of that is going to lead to more death. 
on both yeah. sides. Yeah, well, I think we've seen that. You know, we saw it in Vietnam. We fiddled around there for a long time. Uh, we fiddled around in Afghanistan. We kicked the Taliban out. Now the Taliban's back in power and much more heavily armed and than they were. Uh, we did okay in Iraq, but the Shiite militias there, there was a Shiite-Sunni conflict there that is ongoing, and the Shiites eventually came in. You know, few people know that the Iran-Iraq war uh, was fought because the Shiites were setting off car bombs in downtown Baghdad. And, and so Saddam attacked Iran to push them back away from their border. So those people have been fighting there for a long time. So when they're not busy beheading us uh, infidels, they're busily killing each other. And I saw a lot of my friends that went over to Iraq when I was there, people that I knew and worked with who started out with such lofty ideas and then just really got sick and tired of how brutal they were to each other. And, and they just, they just you know, they, they turned. They turned and said, this, this is crazy. And I think what we're seeing right now is that craziness is everywhere. Europe has allowed itself to be infiltrated thanks to Merkel. The United States borders to the south is wide open. We talked about those operatives. Like I said, they can come in and they are highly trained. And then you can move weapons into the country through diplomatic pouches and through embassies that are, that are supposed to be friendly to us, but maybe perhaps aren't. And right. uh, this propensity for violence, uh, you know, I have to read you something that will clash the civilizations. Remember this, this is 1997 that Huntington wrote right. this. Yeah. Muslim states also have a high propensity to resort to violence in international crises, employing it to resolve 76 crises out of a total of 142 they were involved in between 1928 and 1979. While Muslim states resorted to violence 53.5% of the cases, violence was used by the United Kingdom in only 11.5%, United States 17.5%, and by the Soviet Union in 28.5% of the crisis in which they were uh, involved. But the thing that really gets me is how he wraps up that paragraph. Again, 1997, Muslim bellicosity, bellicosity and violence are late 20th century facts which neither Muslims nor non-Muslims can deny. We've been yeah. in denial. We've well, yeah, been in denial since 9-11. We've been in denial and, 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 uh, and we've been actively acquiescing. And that is yeah. what has gotten us, I believe, uh, in, in a big way, where we're at today, Tracy. Let's go over to the Spaces audience real quick before we take the next break. Uh, I see one hand up over there, Kat. What you got? Uh, Truth's got a question for you. Go ahead, Truth. Hey, good afternoon, Carl. Did, did you say you were in the uh, Gulf Coast area? Is that right? That's correct. Uh, so am I. Uh, Outstanding. You friend of Matt Couch. I'll have to uh, DM you. But my question, how strategical as far as uh, a smart move on the U.S.'s part to target uh, stuff in Syria right now with everything going on? Uh, I just wanted your thoughts. Okay. We'll, we're going to take the commercial break, and we'll get that question answered on the back side of it right after the opening clip. Thank you, Truth. We'll be right back on the Rob Maynard Show Live, Red Voice Media Network. Truth, facts.
how in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening, and it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't, in some sense, working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. TWC.health is the wellness company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. Natokinase is the only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances combating this man-made disaster. I wonder if we should get that stuff. Well, the United States um, really now has a problem with China, Russia, and Iran. That's not our choosing, that's theirs. And so right now you really see all of those countries on the march. And so the United States has an obligation to, to support those countries that are the ones that are, are being invaded or are under the threat of invasion. These weapons packages in particular are very different. The kinds of weapon systems Israel needs are very different than the kinds of weapon systems that Ukraine needs. And they're very different than what we need to send to the Pacific. The challenge is going to be, is the United States going to build a defense industrial base that can produce the necessary weapons that we need to at scale. It can be done, but this is a political decision. It's a matter of American will. What about that? I mean, it does feel like we're on a war footing. You've got supplies going to Ukraine. We need to help in the Middle East. We've got these regimes on the march. Do we need to react like we're already at war? I think that we do. We are there. And this is, again, it's a choice on the part of our adversaries. And so you can say, you know, the United States is tough. Uh, President Biden made the point about how we are the arsenal of democracy. Those are really nice words. They're more aspirational. But really what's going to deter our adversaries is not just speech. It's action. It's going to be American hard power. We have not done a good job of this since the Cold War. We've got to get back to actually having the manufacturing capability to produce these weapons for our friends, allies, and for ourselves. Rebecca Heinrichs, always glad to have your analysis. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks again. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show here on the Red Voice Media Network. And we're talking more War Mondays with our guest, retired Air Force Colonel Tracy Sharp. And Tracy, before we get to, the, to that propaganda piece that I wanted to show from Fox News, pushing and advocating for World War III for the, by the United States. Uh, let's talk about Truth's question about, is it smart for us uh, to be attacking targets in Syria right now? Uh, my opinion is uh, we have an inherent right to self-defense, folks. If we have forces on the ground and they are attacked, we must respond rapidly and aggressively to eliminate that threat. We haven't been doing that. We've only responded to take away some weapons caches and those kind of things, and we did that very slowly. That's Rob Manus's opinion. Colonel Sharp, your thoughts on that? Well, I agree, and I, I think it's very interesting that so few of us know exactly what our, what our uh, layout for our structures is in Syria. 
What, how many forces do we have there? Is it just special forces? Where are they operating out of? What do they have for air cover? Are they doing drone stuff? What, what are they doing? Who, who knows about this? I mean, uh, I don't like the fact that so few people know about it. I do agree with you. If anybody moves on, on us in Syria, then we have to move against them. But my question is, what exactly are we doing there? Does anybody know? Uh, do you know, Rob? Because I know we've, we're protecting some facilities, but I didn't think Syria was the good guys. And I'm not, I'm not all that clear on exactly why we're there. But yeah, no, we... No, I've, we been a, I've, been a, I've been opposed to our presence in Syria ever since Barack Obama put American forces in there. I wasn't even aware that we had a fully manned air base still. And, and my big yeah. question when these forces started getting attacked is, if we didn't have the forces there and had withdrawn them like we should have and brought them home instead of trying to be an empire like the Roman Empire and keep forces on the ground somewhere where we really shouldn't have them, they wouldn't be there to be attacked in the first place, Tracy. Yeah. And, and that gets to why I wanted to show that clip. Uh, and the way the drum beats are going is America, and if you listen to uh, carefully to, to Heinrich's words there, she said, we, we, America, we have an obligation to defend Ukraine, to defend Israel, yeah. to, de to defend uh, the Pacific Rim and the, the first island chain and Taiwan, and we have an obligation to do that. Well, look, we have an obligation to ourselves to defend our mm -hmm. vital national interests, and we've declared some as vital interests, the state of Israel and our friendship with them, We've declared yeah. as a vital interest. We never did yeah. such a thing with the Ukraine. Uh, and uh, it's right. Rob's opinion that the reason why the Israelis and the Americans were surprised on October 7th is because we forced ourselves and them and all of our allies to focus on Russia and Ukraine unnecessarily with those limited resources and assets. And we're completely focused on that and missed the big ball against the real ally, the real vital national interest, which was the state yep. of Israel and its, and its existence. And now, now all of a sudden, we've got, we have, are obligated to do all of this stuff. Well, do you know yep. what we're funded for these days? <laughs> well, you know, kind of military uh, all of this goes funded for? What level? No. Well, we are funded and, for one major regional conflict. Yeah. We're funded in resource. That yeah. means, Folks, our militaries are organized, trained, and equipped yeah. for one major regional conflict, and we've put ourselves in that one in the Ukraine. Yeah. And now they're well, talking about us being obligated in three different major regional conflicts, and that is I, crazy. I think people I have are living a bit in the past. When you use the term arsenal for democracy, that's an old phrase. <laughs> that's a, I believe that's a pre-World War II phrase. And, and uh, you know, that may have been true back when we were the production king of the world, but we've got a long ways to go if we're going to try to turn out and churn out uh, World War III class uh, equipment. And I'm not so sure we can do that. You have to realize that China has cornered the market on the downstream uh, processes of rare earth metals. And Congressman Zinke brought that up to the DOI in, in congressional testimony only within the last within the last year. 
So I think people sometimes think that this is our, your parents, my parents, or your grandparents' United States. It's not anymore. And not to mention the fact we've been infiltrated from the South. Who, th who thinks that there aren't special operations teams deep within the United States already, either Chinese or otherwise, that are going to cause problems that we never had to deal with before when we were the so-called arsenal of, of democracy? We're, I don't think we're ready, and I think this is because this is extremely poor leadership inside the Beltway, top to bottom. At the State Department, at DOD, the Pentagon, uh, you go to any department there, and we have probably the most inept people that have ever lived and worked inside the Beltway. And that's why we're in this situation in the first place, is because we got a president who can't find his way off stage. And this is dip, dip, very difficult diplomatic issues. I mean, you know, as military officer, we did our, we did our fun stuff, which was the flying and putting the bombs on the target. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to yeah. staff, you end up doing diplomacy and political or whatever. And I ended up doing political military affairs in, in all over the world, actually. And uh, except Asia, I didn't get a, a trip over to Asia, but I was all over in the Middle East and Europe and Africa. And, and, uh, you know, this is all complicated stuff, and that man's not up to it. His staff is not up to it. He, there isn't any of them are up to this, and they're going to get our kids killed because they're stupid. And, and we've got to be very concerned about that. Uh, I agree with Matt Rosendale, Congressman Rosendale from Montana. His first, one of his first votes, they said, we want money for Ukraine. He says, why are we sending money to Ukraine if our southern border is wide open? You don't get a dime for Ukraine until you secure our southern border, because that's killing people right now, right here in my neighborhood in Montana, through fentanyl and all the drug cartels and the activity and all that stuff. So, But, but we're going to send money to Ukraine, which a lot of people wouldn't even be able to. I've been there, but a lot of people wouldn't be able to find on a map. For what? And I told a friend of mine and yours, who's now a very senior, high-ranking military officer, multiple stars, I said, the American people, at least half the American people will not support any sort of American troops in Ukraine at all, because they're going to think it's a diversion to take the emphasis off of Biden and all his corruption and the 2020 election and all the money that's flowing through there. They're going to think you're sending their sons over there to die to cover up for the Bidens, and half the country is going to say, nah, I don't think I'm doing that. Israel's a different matter. Yeah, and you know what? Unfortunately, they don't get it. Those people inside the Beltway, whether they're in uniform or out these days, they don't get it. I'm glad you no. were able to tell somebody that directly that is in a position no. of power that, to, to know from somebody they know and trust and have known for a long time. Look, you know, I just tweeted out this morning at Speaker Johnson, who's a friend of mine, uh, that the, the number one priority has got to be secure the southern border and added to that uh, an operation to begin immediately to find and deport all of these people that have been coming in. There have been over 60,000 apprehended from special interest countries. 30,000 of them are Turks, okay, since yeah. Biden took office. Yeah. And that's not counting the gotaways. You know, there's a certain number yeah. of gotaways for each one of those people. They all have to yeah. be found and deported immediately. That's uh, from special interest countries where Islamist yep. supremacy uh, comes from, 60,000-plus individuals apprehended, Tracy, yeah. apprehended. We have to have an operation yeah. to find
find and deport those people. And on the on the way out of that operation, that we need to then focus on the Chinese military age males, which we know there are 26,000 at least that have been apprehended. Yeah. So in addition to that, the gotaways, that's got to be the priority, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. We, we Our house is not in good enough order to be over there telling the rest of the world how to fight their wars. Absolutely I mean, right. I, I, I don't see where we have any moral authority even anymore to do that with, with the way that our culture has gone, where you're going you're gonna to have child mutilation. You're going to take away in Washington state someone's child if they don't get them gender reaffirming care. The state can actually take their kid. Well, that's, right. that's nuts. That's going to get somebody killed. People don't let you come and take their kids. Uh, but we're in such a kerfluffle, and it's all happened, you know, just a few years ago, we had energy independence. And we could look at the Saudis and say, I don't really care what you do. Exactly. doesn't affect us. We're exporting fuel. Matter of fact, Western Europe, we yeah. could give you natural gas, keep you having to be from dependent. That was just a few years ago. You could count on one hand the state that the country was in just a few years ago, where maybe we could have eventually projected might strength and maybe even a bit of moral authority, but certainly might and strength. We're not there now. We're not there nope. now with this bumbling idiot and the people that he's put into position across his entire cabinet. It, it seems like they're part of the other side. Like their goal yep. is to help destroy the United States in any way that they can. I don't know how else you could leave that southern border open with all the knock-on effects and problems that it causes for everyone inside our country. How can you justify? That's a catastrophic failure of governance. It the government has failed. Failure of governance, and uh, that's why we don't need to be obligated, uh, say, even say we're obligated to go out and and uh, defend the world and build up our industrial base. Yes, we do need to fix our industrial base, but to take care of the United States uh, and America first, not yes. to go out and and go into wars all over the world and potentially a World War III. That's the craziest advocacy that I've heard uh, since all of this started, man. Well, let's take one question from the live audience before we go to our last break. Go ahead, Kat. Good. Yes, has a question for you, Colonel. Good day, Colonel. Good day, Colonel. Nice, sir. Nice, sir. Um, uh, well, basically, my thing is that we're going back. I'm going to go back to the airport. raises a lot of questions, and those questions are, how did they know what flight? How did they know the time of the land, the flight would land? What? How did they know about the terminal? You know, and that question needs to be answered. Is it somebody that was on the ground already at the airport, or was it somebody that was back in Israel or in Tel Aviv? And if it was in Tel Aviv, that just raises bigger red flags for the simple fact is that mm -hmm. it demonstrates the geopolitical outreach that Hamas and Hezbollah have worldwide. Yeah. Now, the open border policy that's been going on in Europe and the United States, are these individuals that are embedded in these countries, such as Russia, that managed mm -hmm. to gather thousands mm -hmm. of people outside an airport and then storm it. How much power do they have? Were they natural-born citizens of Russia that happened to be Muslims, or were they um, migrants into Russia? The whole system is completely, completely destroyed for the simple fact is that this feel-good policy that's happening worldwide is just causing mass destruction, mass devastation. Yeah. And the children that were on that airplane but let's say these people did get on that airplane and they killed all those children and all the people on that plane. Mm -hmm. Well, according to Islam, oh, they were 
collateral damage and that they yeah. shall reach the, they shall be with Allah and so on and so forth. And nobody would pay the price for what happened because they said as we went out to kill the Jews, period. These people or these children were collateral damage. Don't worry. They're going to be in paradise and they're going to be embraced by Allah. And nobody's going to cry except the mothers and the fathers of those children, children that are fighting cancer to end up being slaughtered on an airplane on a tarmac. Absolutely the whole right. The concept is insane that's going on because of the whole feel-good policy. I mean, when my question is this, when are these governments actually going to come together and start saying we need to start rounding up these people that might possibly, just possibly have a connection with Hamas? Well, thanks, or man. We'll, we'll tackle that right after this break. Uh, we'll be right back on the Rob Mana Show with Colonel Tracy Sharp and our X-Spaces Live audience. Thank you, CS. We'll, we'll tackle that question right after this visit. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled, it won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared, this may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. Colonel Douglas McGregor is the CEO of our country, our choice, and one of the first people we turn to for analysis of events like this because he is interested in what happens to the United States. He joins us now. Doug, thank you uh, for coming on. Do you think that we are moving toward war with Iran? Yes, I do. And uh, it looks like the chosen destination is indeed Armageddon. There doesn't seem to be any real appreciation for the implications for us and, and frankly, for Europe and the world as well as the Middle East, of such action. You know, take for an example, just on the economic side, about 20% uh, of the world's oil passes through the Straits of Hormuz every month. Uh, uh, probably 25% of liquefied natural gas. And you're talking about shutting down two to three million barrels uh, a day of oil from Iran. Uh, you know, this entire region is involved in the war. This is not an Iranian monopoly by any stretch of the imagination. But the point is that when we're looking at 10-year Treasury yields up over 5% and people are increasingly convinced that the Fed has lost control, the economic side of the house is a catastrophe. Now, when you look at the military side, you have to look at the arsenal of missiles that Iran possesses. And they can reach out 1,200 miles with great precision 
very uh, high explosive conventional warheads that would do enormous damage, destroying whole city blocks in places like Haifa, Tel Aviv, even Jerusalem, though I doubt they would attack Jerusalem. The, the bottom line is that we need to think this through, and everyone right now is emoting. There is no thinking anywhere, as far as I can tell. The only possible exception may be, amazingly enough, Mr. Erdogan in Turkey, who came out this morning and indicated he was willing to mediate uh, the dispute between Israel and Hamas. Whether or not anyone in Washington or Israel is interested in talking, I don't know. But if we could sideline Turkey and keep Turkey out of the fight, that would ultimately help Israel enormously. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show. That was uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, a former advisor to the Trump administration and the Department of Defense uh, on the Tucker Carlson Show. And we're talking about this issue, the endless war policy and the emerging potential World War III uh, circumstances that are coming here with uh, retired Colonel Tracy Sharp uh, of Montana, uh, who has a lot of experience in this part of the world. And, you know, that clip, Tracy, was done before the speech that I played at the beginning of the show. But we had a question talking about the countries coming together to find these people and deport them from their countries uh, before we went to the break. And I want to give you a chance to take that issue on for a second because. Really, it would have to be the EU, NATO, slash NATO, the United States, that are those countries that have been infiltrated, isn't it? And we've allowed it to happen under an idealist foreign policy. There's not a, been a better opportunity to change paths and go to a realist foreign policy and national security policy, which would invoke an operation like I've called for, find them and deport them as fast as possible. Your thoughts? Well, that can be done, too. There's a lot of people that will tell you that that can't be done, but I have friends with some excellent ideas on how a deportion, deporting would work. Uh, and I, I think it should be done because I think the Western world, with its idealism, has allowed itself to be infiltrated by people that uh, are not Western. They do not have the same cultural boundaries, the same appreciation for the ty types of freedoms that we have. Uh, they have a different approach, and it's an ideologically driven, and I believe a cult of uh, a death ideologically driven uh, background. And and so I do think the Western world is starting to wake up to the the horribleness that Merkel brought on all of Europe when she said, we have to take these people. And she was acting like she was speaking for all of Europe. No, you know, the people here, neither here nor in Europe, ever voted for this unlimited immigration. Nobody ever had a referendum and said, hey, all in favor of that, put your hand up. They never did that. It was put on them by politicians the same way it's put on us here by politicians. And the one politician in the United States ran in 2016 on putting up the wall and got made quite a bit of progress in that. But even he wasn't able to stop it because people on the Republican side were just as willing to leave that border open as people on the Democrat side. And who's suffering? The common, taxpaying, law-abiding American citizen. We've been all pushed to the back of the bus. And I think the common European citizens find themselves in the same place. So this is a... I was, I was in uh, Paris last year around this time and spent quite a bit of time there. And it's interesting that in these Western countries, and I've spent a lot of time in Europe, about 15 years plus of my life living in Europe, 
They all are seeing the same thing and the same kind of problems we are. They might be handling it one way, you know, different, slightly different. But it really comes down at the strategic point in a split between Western civilization and the Islamo supremacy. I wish I could say it was something else, but Judeo-Christian society, the last 400 years that have come up with all the medicines and all the schools and a free society and the notion that you can go as far as your talents will carry you, you're not born with a saddle on your back, nobody gets to determine what you will the moment become, the moment your birth, except you, you get to determine that. That's under assault globally. That is under assault globally. And, and at some point, at some point, you either decide you're going to stand up and defend those values so that your children and grandchildren can have those kind of freedoms, or you succumb. And that's, right. and that's where we're at right now. And I'm afraid everything is moving. The war drums, like you said in your beginning uh, statement there, they're beating really hard right now. They're beating hard for civil war within the United States, and they're beating hard for global war between Western civilization and everything that isn't Western civilization. And we've run out of time uh, for this show. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and talking about these issues, Tracy. We definitely appreciate you. Look forward to having you back again soon. Uh, we will continue to debate and analyze these issues here on The Rob Manus Show, on, especially on More War Mondays with experts like retired Colonel Tracy Sharp there, uh, because it's critically important. We have to choose a different path, my friends, and the path is one of realism and to stand up and defend what we know is right against what we know is wrong, and that is Islamic supremacism, and it's time to fight. Sean Parnell and Battleground is up next. Tomorrow, Dinesh D'Souza, police state, and next Monday, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn on More War Mondays. I'm Rob Manus on the Red Voice Media Network. Tucker's still laughing. Ha, ha, ha.